welcome to our second week in our series that we're doing right now, Family Dinner. And let me just kind of give you a little recap of the concept over the next several weeks. Um, Throughout the Bible, there are numerous stories over and over of Jesus having dinner with people. And I think sometimes those are overlooked. We focus on the miracles. We focus on all of the other things, which, of course, are important. But it's pretty interesting how Jesus spends his time one-on-one hanging out, having dinner with people. And so over the next couple of weeks, including today, we're talking about family dinner. And let me just kind of uh, explain that there are both literal and allegorical pictures of the dinner table in the scripture. And Jesus makes reference to both. Of course, there's the literal sitting down to dinner and hanging out and having that relationship and having that conversation with people, which is something that we want to model. Those relationships, like building that, making that an important part of our life. That's part of the reason over this month we're having our community family dinners. So we have three different family dinners that we are uh, hosting at different people's homes where we're talking about uh, our family, the church family, and how we can support one another, how we can encourage one another, how we can continue to like be family for one another. So I invite you to sign up for one of those. Our first one is actually tomorrow. Um, and so sign up for one of those. We want everyone to attend one of those so you can participate in that actual literal family dinner. It's really powerful when we sit down and eat and we commune together. That's important. But there's also, you know, kind of the allegorical part of it throughout Scripture. And I think both of them come into play. Is that the picture is, you know, God... Uh, gathers together with his family, sustains them, gives them food, gives them life, and talks about how God is the bread of life. God does all of those things. God sustains us. We are a community. We are a family. And so there's both the literal and allegorical pictures of that family dinner all throughout Scripture, and that's kind of what we're focusing in on. Last week, we talked about the guest list at family dinner. At Jesus' table, at God's table, Jesus hung out with and ate with people that others did not anticipate he should eat with. He welcomed and opened up the table to more people. Than, and he was criticized for that. So who do you dine with? And really... You know, in this country, we talk about America being the melting pot, but really the true melting pot is the church family, where people come together and they treat one another like they're related, even though they aren't, even though they come from different backgrounds and all these different things. We come together and we gather together in unison and everyone is welcome. So that's a beautiful picture of kind of the true melting pot that the church is. And so that's what we talked about last week. But this week, I want to get into table manners, okay? You have to have some table manners when you come to the family dinner table, right? Did anybody have a mother that was pretty interested in table manners, okay? Um, In my home, when I was growing up as a kid, my mom was, you know, she wasn't super strict about it, but oftentimes at the dinner table, we'd hear stories about 
When I was a kid, we didn't get up unless we were excused. We sat at the table and we sat together. We waited until everyone was seated. We said a family prayer and then we ate. And if we had guests at the table, you better like mind your words and all of these different things. And I would get this lecture now and then. And as about a you know fourth, fifth grader, I was kind of like, whatever, mom, new day. Um, and I was, I was at a season in life right there about 10, 11, 12, where I was, I was not very well mannered at the dinner table. And so my mom was, you know, kind of getting frustrated at me. I remember, and the, I, I don't remember specifically what I was like, but I do know this, is that our dog, our family dog, would sit right next to my chair and there was a reason for that, because my dog would be eating all the scraps for like all the stuff that was flying all over the place when I was eating. So I think that that's probably a little bit of a tell as to how like um, mannerly I was. At, is that a word? Um, how well mannered I was at the dinner table. And my mom gave me all these warnings. I think there was a couple of times where, you know, I'd show up to the dinner table without a shirt on. Hey, what's up? What are you doing? You know, and like... We didn't have high standards, but we had some standards. And my mom, at one point, was getting so frustrated, she looked at me and she said, Tyler, if you don't mind your manners, if you don't get better at the dinner table, I'm sending you to manners class. At my school, they had a manners class every year. And she said, you're going to manners class. I was like, I'm not going to manners class. Back off, mom. And I was kind of like, uh, you know, didn't think about it. I thought it was one of those, you know, parents' uh, idle threats. Um, I should have known better because when I was in the third grade, my mom told me if I didn't start putting my laundry away, that I'd have to do my own laundry. And I had to do my own laundry from about fourth grade on. But I didn't learn my lesson and I didn't listen to the threat. And one day, my mom said, enough, you're going to manners class. It's like, oh, no, I'm going to manners class. So you have to understand manners class at my school was a collection of about a bunch of second grade girls that like to do tea parties, okay? <laughs> this, is, this is what manners class was at my school. I mean, this is not something where the athletes, and obviously, as you can tell, without even me telling you, I'm an athlete, um, but like, it's not like what the athlete fifth graders, cool kids did at the school. It's what second grade girls did after school is they had their little tea parties. And my friends caught wind of the fact that I was enrolled in manners class. I remember the first day at manners class, there was a gathering of like fifth grade boys outside of the door of manners class, just peeking in and laughing at me because I was in manners class, okay? So I went to manners class. I learned how to set at the proper table. I learned, uh, you know, all of those things, what all the little forks and spoons are for. And I had tea parties for a semester in my life, okay? <laughs> I think mom got the point home, that we have to have some table manners. Um, you know, today I think that we don't focus too much on table manners. Um, we don't necessarily have all of kind of like these rules and restrictions and focus on these types of things. 
But I want to I wanna share with you today that I think some things are really important. And remember, this is both allegorical and literal. But, you know, Jesus had a couple of interactions uh, regarding table manners. When I think about table manners, the picture that comes to my head is this picture right here. Take a look. Anybody know what that's from? Downton Abbey. Okay, all right. We have a couple of friends. Uh, another confession. I think it's because I went to uh, tea parties when I was in fifth grade, but um, I have watched the series Downton Abbey. My wife started getting me into it, and we, I was like, okay, uh, I'm not sure about this. It, start, it was kind of interesting. It was interesting. Cultural picture. But um, in the show Downton Abbey, they every night get ready for dinner, and they dress up and they wear their, their fine dinner clothes, as you can see, and it is a deal. It is a deal, okay? Because at dinner, that's where you talk about the day. You do not do it in like, you know, in, in ways that aren't well-mannered. And, you know, that's sometimes maybe the picture we might get in our head when we think about uh, table manners. That's definitely the picture I have in my head. I want you to watch just, just so that you get some literal table manners today. I want to educate you on all of these things. I'm a very sophisticated graduate of manners class, so I understand these kinds of things. I want to give you a little bit of a lesson on table manners based on kind of Downton Abbey. Here we go. Sydney School of Protocol and with me is the lovely Julie Lambert-Bennett. We're sharing modern day tips, very similar to what we see in Dunton Abbey. What I basically just demonstrated was how to make an entrance. I just came in and I took a slight pause. So that gives me the opportunity to really survey the room. <laughs> so the introduction is obviously the handshake is important and also people forget to say their full name so it's really important to introduce your entire name so hello I'm Rachel Fenwick. Oh, Rachel very nice to meet you I'm Judy Lambert-Bernard. At the dinner table it is a really important place to be conversing and developing relationships as, as they did in Dalton Abbey. It's important that we hold or position the cutlery like this in the centre of the plate. So the knife goes like that and the fork just crosses over. Okay, so after you've finished your beautiful meal, you basically need to know the proper etiquette as to where to put your napkin. Um, certainly not on a dirty plate of leftover food. It simply goes to your left, and just like so. All right, that could go on enough, enough of that. <laughs> Garbage. All right. Um, that will not be the feeling of our family dinners that we have over the coming weeks. Every culture, every table, have different table manners. And Jesus has a few things to say about this. Luke, 
chapter 11, verse 37 and 40, is interesting because Jesus, and I like this, and if I, I wish I had this ammo when I was in the fifth grade, because Jesus broke a few table manners. Um, I wish I could have told my mom. Uh, Luke chapter 11, 37 through 40 says this. When Jesus finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in, reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, Now, then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside you were full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also. Pretty interesting how Jesus kind of focuses in on something that maybe is a little different from the picture of table manners that other people may have. Not the protocol, not the where the fork and knife are placed, not where the linens are set. I didn't know that, did you? I tossed mine on top of my plate. On top of the dirty dishes. How disgusting. Um, but... Jesus didn't follow the protocol that they had, but he looked at them and he said, here's what's important. You focus on washing the outside of the dish, but the inside is what matters. The focus of Jesus' focus was the internal. Jesus' focus was uh, how people view one another, treat one another, the character that people have, not necessarily the protocol that people have at the dinner table. It's interesting because all throughout Scripture, we hear about the covenant that God makes between His people. There's a significant difference between uh, rules, laws, those kind of protocols, those kind of table manners, and a covenant. A covenant is something that is a relationship. It's something like an agreement. It's something like between two parties that they come together, they shake hands and says, this is how we will treat one another. This is how we will go about our business. So to speak, it's your family. This is how we do things as a family. Not necessarily those rules, but the covenant. And that's what Jesus was concerned with in trying to communicate to people that it's not, that's not what matters at the dinner table. Matthew 26, Jesus is having dinner, and we kind of forget that. But he's having dinner with his disciples, and this is the picture. You see our picture of our logo right here? You recognize that famous painting? That it's at that dinner table, he's gathered around, and here's the words he uses for the dinner table he throws. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So a covenant is how God relates 
to humanity all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Old Testament. It kind of sounds like old language. But God says, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have a covenant with you. That, you know what, we will join together and we will do this thing together. That we'll navigate this life together. When there's sin, when there's harm, when there's things that need to be repaired, there will be a method, there will be a way to repair the wrongs. And all throughout the Bible and the Old Testament, the covenant was based off of, you know, sacrifice and repentance and these things. But as the scripture tells us, those things were just kind of just a shadow of what was to come. A shadow of what Jesus did right there in the scripture we just read is that Jesus said, this is my covenant. At the dinner table, Jesus gathered around with his friends and said, this is what is important. This is what matters. This is how we restore our relationship. This is how we move forward as a family. This is what we do. I wonder what covenants you have in your family. You probably don't use that language. But maybe you have some covenants as well in your family. Maybe you have even some dinner table manners. Maybe you say that this is something that is important. We have dinner and we sit down and we shut off the TV. Or we pray before our meal. Or we, you know, we do these things. But essentially, sometimes we don't think in these terms. Jesus was very intentional saying, this is how our family operates. This is what we do. And I give you this relationship, this covenant, this extension of how we work through these different things. You know, there's, there's always people that want to resort all of these things down to a set of rules and protocol because in some ways that's easier. In some ways, it's easier just to kind of make polite company, have a lot of table manners, and kind of like set that up so that everything is okay. But Jesus takes it further and says, how will our relationship thrive and continue on? And that's what Jesus establishes around the dinner table right there. You know, it's interesting. We have a group here at the church that's actually meeting tonight. I hope those of you who are in our Joshua group have uh, worked on your homework, okay? We have a group in uh, our church, a life group, that is meeting throughout the year. It's a 10-month group that meets once a month, and it's kind of like challenging one another on towards, you know, making the most of our life, setting goals, holding each other accountable. And one of the most powerful things I was a part of Um, with this group and actually in my entire past year was the first time our group gathered and our group gathered and you know whenever you have a group you have conversations around okay how's it going to work all these different things and it could have been something that we just like said here's the rules for the group but we don't do things like that we're trying to follow Jesus' example of how he builds relationships So we gathered around, and we said, okay, we're going on a 10-month journey together. We're going to get into some pretty serious things and really encourage one another on. We all want to follow God more fully. We all want to make the most of our lives, and that's what this group is all about. 
But in order for this to work, we need to just come around a set of agreements of what we're going to do. And so we gathered around and each of us kind of wrote down what were some of the covenant ideas that we have as a group of how we will treat one another within the group. And we took little sticky notes and we wrote them out and everybody got to write them. And then we, we looked at all of them and we said, here's the most important. And we, we like put them together. And I want to read for you the covenant that this group, Joshua group, um, put together, which is pretty cool. And I'm really proud of it. Here's our group covenant. We'll be honest with each other. We'll speak the truth in love. What's talked about in the group will remain confidential. We'll be teachable and accountable, open to feedback, and not easily offended. We will pray together and for each other. We'll make every effort to show up and to be prepared. We recognize that we are all imperfect, but we want to become more like Jesus. And our group together just kind of came up with this. We wrote it that night. And we all agreed together, kind of handshake agreement. That's how we're going to treat one another in the group. That's what we're going to do. You see, it's so much more deep and so much more rich and so much more meaningful. The picture that Jesus gives us throughout the scriptures, he says, I am making a covenant with you. And around that dinner table, he says, here is the covenant that I have with you. You have opportunity to have relationship. You have opportunity to have forgiveness. I am going to sacrifice myself for you. Take this. Participate. Be a part of this family. And that's what Jesus lays out. And Jesus models. And Jesus does this over and over again around a table, like a family, gathering together. What an incredible picture that in the scripture we see what Jesus does with his life is he kind of has these dinner covenant moments. You know, it's, the, it's at the family dinner table many times where kind of those values and those, those things are instilled. There's a reason in Downton Abbey it was important and they dressed up. Maybe in the new year you should have one night or Downton Abbey night and you dress up for dinner you all get ready, all sit in your places, um, and like have fancy dinner and, and talk. But we all should think about our relationships within the context of how Jesus establishes relationships, a covenant with one another. See, there's some interesting things about a covenant. Is covenant people are not people that like, when something kind of, somebody breaks the rules, you like call everybody out on it and you're like, gotcha, you broke the rules. It's not like lawyers looking over a contract, looking for and trying to find the spot where somebody messed up. A covenant is about people coming together, gathering together and saying, we're together. And we're going forward in the same direction. You see, and you have to understand, and I hope you've grasped this, that the pictures that we're looking at throughout this series of family dinner applies very much to your personal family, but applies uh, very directly to the church 
family. And the very reason and the very design why God set up the community of faith, the people to gather around. Sometimes our pictures of the church family have become skewed over time where we think, you know, it's like you come to an auditorium, you listen to some guy speak, and then you go home and you're like, okay, I got that off the list. The picture of the church is a covenant community that comes together and is involved in one another's life, that picks each other up, that walks alongside one another, that is not like, that, it, that, that is encouraging one another on. And Jesus paints this picture over and over and over with every dinner that he has. It's pretty interesting in the, in the scripture in Hebrews, there is a detailed description of what covenants are all about. In Hebrews chapter 8, 9, and 10, it goes through kind of point by point through what the Old Testament established as a covenant, how God makes a relationship with us. And it says, hey, these, these are why these things were instituted. This is why there were sacrifices. This is why there was the priests. This is why there was all of these things. This is what they mean. This is why they're important. And then at the end of it, it says, all of it with Jesus fulfilled it. All of it, all of the things, all of the pictures, all of like maybe the protocol that they had previously was just a shadow, just a picture of what Jesus was. Jesus says, I have made this covenant with you around the dinner table. We'll have family. We'll be in relationship. We'll move forward together. And in Hebrews chapter um, 10, after explaining point by point what the covenant has meant all throughout the Bible. The author says this in verse 19. It says, therefore, so as a result of what has happened, all the history that went before, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most high, holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Having our bodies washed with pure water. Now don't get, don't get lost in all of this. I mean, there's quite a few details that it's referencing you don't capture all of those. Just focus in on kind of the action of what the author is trying to convey. What we should do as a result. Verse 33, 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. There's several actions that it talks about. It's explaining and kind of giving a picture of the type of people we should be as a covenant community. 
a covenant people. It says we should have confidence in verse 19. Confidence in Christ. It says in verse 22, we should draw near to God. It says in verse 23, we should hold unswervingly to the hope we have. We should hold on to that. It says in verse 24, we should spur one another on towards love and good deeds and courage. Push each other in, towards these things. In verse 25, don't give up meeting together. And then later in verse 25, encourage one another. These kind of pictures, it's not, it's so different than people making a list of rules. It's so different than like protocol at dinner. It's so different than maybe those, those societal constructs that people form. It is a picture of family. Picture of family. Gathering together. Encouraging one another on. Thinking about how we can remind one another about what's good in life. Spurring one another on. Meeting together. Hanging out. Having dinner. All these things. And this is the picture that God says. This is the family God's forming. I want you to think about your table manners. I want you to think about how you engage. Do you focus maybe more on perception or what people will think of you as far as like how you'll be respected? The Downton Abbey picture maybe? Or do you focus a lot on that relationship with that person across the table? You focus on that time with that person just right next to us. The picture that Christ establishes for the dinner table is that we will be here for one another. That's what we're here to do. I look back to that covenant that we established. Pretty stinking good. Good job, Joshua Group. And I'm challenged. That not only just in my own family, of course, these things apply to my immediate family, but you, my family. How am I doing this? Am I honest with each other? Will I speak the truth in love? What's talked about will remain confidential. I'll just respect other people's privacy and wishes. Be teachable and accountable. Open to feedback, not easily offended. I won't run off when maybe something that doesn't go exactly the way. I thought it should. When somebody breaks protocol, I won't hold that against them. I'll be gracious. Make every effort to, to show up. Be ready. Be engaged. And I think about that. In our group, of course, there's a different structure, but in our church as a whole, that like it says like it says in Hebrews, is like you can't really be a part of that family if you're not there. You just it's true. And I'm prepared to be engaged in one another's life. I'm prepared to more than just like show up and drink a little coffee and listen. I'm prepared to be involved in your life. 
make, and recognize that we're all imperfect. But we want to be more like Jesus. The family dinner is what Jesus invites us to. He invites us to a relationship with the creator of the universe, but also a relationship with one another. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for these pictures, these images. It's pretty interesting that you conveyed all these important truths around a dinner table. God, I pray in this new year that we would engage more fully in relationship with one another. That we would recognize, God, that you've, you've called us, you're encouraging us, you're giving us a picture of what it's like to be people who are following you. God, sometimes we want to disengage. We want to do our own thing. But God, you call us back to relationship. You call us back to a relationship with you and with each other. So God, I pray that we would have the courage to live out this picture. That we engage more fully in one another's lives. That we make a covenant. That we're here for each other. I just want to invite you to take a moment on your own. To think about how open and willing you are to be in a community like that. How open and willing you are to be involved in other people's lives. To love your neighbor. To spur one another on towards love and good deeds. To gather together. Encourage one another to be a covenant kind of people. Just take a moment to evaluate in your life how, how often you engage or maybe sometimes how you disengage. Be open to this picture that Jesus paints.
So take a moment on your own just to offer your own prayers to God. Open your heart. And God will speak.